0: to episode 85 of the creative riding motorcycle podcast how you doing this morning how you doing this afternoon how you doing tonight whenever you're listening to the show it is available uh on itunes soundcloud stitcher the google play store Pocket Cast, downcast anywhere they surf quality free podcasts you'll find this one Oh my god my studio is falling apart trying something different tonight here uh in the studio and it's uh, it's not gonna work in about five seconds you're either gonna hear me scream the wall collapse or both and uh what you're hearing right now is the glorious sounds of yours truly let's rock it out a little bit That is a 1962 Silvertone Sears edition. You could only get them for two years, I believe in 61 and 62. It's the Brown Sparkle Metallic, and it came with a matching amplifier. You could get them out of the Sears Roebuck catalog uh, back in the 60s. Made in Neptune New Jersey, I think. And recorded on a... What is this thing? It's a Zoom PS4 which is the uh, Porta Studio. And uh, yeah, so, little accompanying drum beat, me on my old crummy guitar, just noodling around, not, re- not even really trying. It was too damn hot to try today. So anyway, if you got some cool music you want to make, if you can noodle around like that, probably much better than me. I, oh my god. Here it comes. Here comes the walls. As the talking head said, the walls come crumbling down. I think uh, guided by voices had a song like that too hang on one sec let me fix the studio this is gonna take a minute um yeah i better fix this before i kill myself and let's just hit the regular intro music what do you say and I can barely tie a shoe let alone figure out this thing. My skin met the asphalt, but these new ki- new ways kit my... Alright, a couple of blurbs. Whatever they do with cocaine. The victim. I mean, yes. It's, it's usually a or we've
1: it's a cafe racer with Alloy Manx racing tank. The Soma actually was purchased by uh, the Barber Vintage Britain Motorsports Museum.
0: You know, after this interview, I sound like a fat, hairy, bearded slob. Long hours in the uncomfortable seat.
1: Kangaroos is just leaping down the street every
0: um, all right, technically all chaps are assholes, right? <laughs> I don't have it perfected. I have to stop talking shit. My wife's like... You're 41 and started a race career.
1: Yes, I am guest number 632. As big as motorcycle entry and very few people have actually ever even laid eyeballs on a Confederate. I thought it was a good book. I, I didn't want to put it down. I wanted to know what happened next, but it was not my typical genre. <laughs> I'm Cammie, uh, and I'm, I
0: guess, one of the leaders. <laughs> and I'm Nikki, and I'm one of the leaders. Part of the thing with the is... Bikes are so big and the motors are so big that most of the power is issue. Keep your knees in the breeze and the cheddar in your cheese. It's time to get weird with, with creative writing. All right, you got that right. Keep your cheddar, breeze, cheesy. What the heck? All right, everybody, how's it going? Studio fixed? Maybe. On my end, at least. How How is the studio hanging out, holding, holding up on your end? I want to give a quick shout out to Balls because it is hot as them tonight here in uh, SoCal. It has been pretty warm, still a little bit muggy for the past few days. Um, past few weeks, I mean, the humidity here has been a little bit above average. Great for the skin. Pardon me. Great for the mold on all your breads and uh, vegetables. But, um, you know, not so typical and normal. So, not to be a fair weather baby, but it's been pretty hot. And I I really haven't done much writing uh, since the Podcasters Challenge ended, which was two weeks ago, I believe, right? It was two, well, I guess it was two Wednesdays ago. And um, I had just talked to Paul and he had gone on his first ride since then, you know, the week after that, and the same with Chris. I think well, actually Chris may have been uh, doing some racing and track days and stuff. I don't think he ever quits riding, but yeah, man, talk about uh, needing a break, the pump, pump the butt back up a little bit, uh, and also did some, you know, basically tore my bike down and and. Um, Put it back together. So, yeah, that took about a week, and I'm ready to get going. You know, I did a week off riding uh, in the prime time, you know. I mean, I guess it's not prime time for SoCal. This is, like, hot, humid time. But, um, yeah, I'm still aching and itching to get out there, and so I may do it tomorrow morning. Who knows? Um, this is going to be going out Friday, probably Friday night, I'm guessing. And so tomorrow will be Saturday. <laughs> Uh, speaking of which Saturday is going to be a day full of cool stuff like you know flat track racing motorcycle shows and whatnot. we'll get into that a little bit Uh, on the schedule on our itinerary for tonight let me talk about what I'm going to talk about I'm going to be talking about uh, um, correction corner I needed to do a little bit of correction corners Um, I did something called dirty bike talk hoping that that uh, you'll, you'll see it. Uh, speaking of bike, dirty bike talk, uh, Big Bangs. Well, I want to talk about that. Then I want to talk about some crap, which is creative writing ad partners. If you uh, watch our um, Facebook page, you know what I'm talking about. Got a little bit of the old podcast roundup, and I don't know. Maybe we will have some uh, events and stuff like that that's going on this weekend. Uh, by the way, I just want to give a shout out real quick before uh, we get into the show to all the people who have been listening and supporting us around the world. All righty, here we go. I decided to look at stats for the past um, 30 days just because we haven't done this in a little bit, and I thought it would be nice. Um, one thing I did notice was that the numbers are slumping down a little bit in the summer, and I thought, oh, no, and then I looked at last year. And last year slumped in the summertime also. They are way up above last year's numbers. So the show keeps growing thanks to support, ideas, contributions, and patronage from people like you. And uh, spreading the good word, listening to the show... Uh, having a good sense of humor—all those things are important. And uh, let's let's get into it here. The United States uh, in number one spot with 936 listens. Canada coming in with 63. Denmark. I'm going to run down the top ten here. Uh, we got Denmark. They've always been uh, up there pretty high. Uh, Australia, the UK, France, Germany, New Zealand, India, and Turkey coming in with six listens in the past four weeks. So a little bit more than one a week. Somebody over there in Turkey must really love the bacon. Is that me? Am I the bacon? Uh, Anyway, yeah, the Netherlands slipping down, but uh, that's okay. Denmark, Netherlands, and Switzerland uh, still listening. We love you guys. And... um, yeah, I just uh, want to focus on some some of the other stuff going on across uh, the rest of the world. Include everybody, you know what they say. Especially in these times when everybody's, uh, you know, everybody's struggling a little bit here and there. Um, so, uh, the creative writing episode with the most listens over the past 30 days is episode 83, American Hooligan. Um, so, just one before... Let me see, that was just... Uh, Two weeks ago, so yay! American hooligan, and then they go backwards in descending order 82, 81, 84, 80, 79, 78, 67. So I'm glad people are still. Uh, well, no, episode number one, somebody made a mistake. <laughs> Uh, More than once. uh, That one got a few plays in the last month. Bad place to start. Yep, number two. There's number two. There's number three. So a few people just catching on and going back and listening backwards. My advice would be to listen to the newest ones first and then go backwards as time permits. Or if you get bored and decide you want to kill yourself and hear some crazy. I mean, there there were some pretty bad ones back then. Uh, So anyway, yeah, there you go. And uh, top user listening to us on SoundCloud at least is, a uh, user 2473218326, and then, uh, Chris Ryan Skiba, and then a bunch of other people that are just, uh, oh, the wig bomb, whoever the wig bomb is, thanks for listening, um, and yeah, mostly just user numbers, because a lot of people don't put a name down in SoundCloud, but, um... Yeah. Anyway, thank you. If you have ideas for the show or you know somebody that might like a show about the creative side of motorcycling and anybody that, uh, you know, could benefit from hearing some of our older technosodes where we actually talk about like chains and tires and straightening stuff, you know, if you crash and and we're going to have some more of those coming up in the future, stuff to bring, toolkits, yada, 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 all of it free of charge, of course. And Probably not helpful. It probably shouldn't uh, try to fix your own bike based off of what I say. you probably end up dead in a ditch somewhere. Um, and then when they come to check the body, they'll see uh, creative writing and the technosode playing in your smartphone. And they'll be, oh, yeah, that's why he died. So um, at any rate, yeah, thank you, everybody around the world that's been listening and uh, continuing to check us out. The summer number slump, A, because it's a good time. Um, people are out riding, And so that's what I would be doing if I wasn't here recording this right now. And so these uh, summer slumps are great. Save them for, you know, cool uh, autumn nights or winter nights when you're holed up in a, a log cabin surrounded by snow. And, uh, yeah, listen to them then. But anyways, get out and ride. Have some fun. Do some great stuff. Um, Really quickly, I want to say thank you to the past guests that we've had on the show because I see them popping up here in the episodes. Um, Of course, American Hooligan, that featured Chris Wiggins, who is a uh, Harley hooligan racer for Speed Merchant. And uh, down there... Uh, in the most recently listened to um, episode 41, which is the uh Noise Cycles, that is Scott Jones from Noise Cycles, and those two have just been um crazy going, you know, with um, gosh, they've been going back and forth all over. They're probably headed to Sturgis right now, or going to be heading to Sturgis, but all of them. The uh, guys from Rusty Butcher, the guys from Suicide Machine Co., the guys, you know, obviously Noise and Speed Merchant, and uh, a few other guys that I can't even think of, the Rolling Sands guys, I guess, they all have been cruising around uh, for X Games Minneapolis, then for Dirtquake, and before that, they were on the road. There was a few things they were on the road for. I think, um, I forget, the Born Free Stampede and and a bunch of other races. I just looking at the Instagrams, and these guys are just driving themselves back and forth across the country on their own dime just to take part in some of the stuff that's happening as far as, like, hooligan racing and, and shows and stuff like that. So uh, that's pretty cool. Check them out. If you get a chance, support them. Buy some of their stuff um you know just follow them on instagram and let them know that you're you know even if you're not uh financially supporting them that you're there you know backing them for you know being a not a pro and racing on their own dime just for the glory of it basically and uh so yeah check those guys out if you get a chance and go back and listen to those episodes if you want to hear some real racers talking about real race stuff instead of just some idiot that's me Standing here blabbing in your ear about all sorts of other stuff. Um, excuse me. Also, I wanted to thank uh, Daily Bikers Dan. We always talk about Dan on the show. Dan is the real deal. He has a website called Daily Bikers. You can he sells a bunch of uh, motorcycle-related art stuff, and he's got some pretty cool creative stuff on there. The notes that you hear right here, those are real paper notes uh, on one of Dan's notebooks that I have. I have a few pieces of his art around my office, and I've sent out a bunch of stuff as prizes. Um, I've got birthday cards and stickers and all sorts of stuff that I've given out, and I think it's really cool. And then he has a a coloring book that I believe is 32 pages, high quality, recycled materials. He's got, um, you know, like I said, birthday cards, gift wrap, pillowcases, wall art, like office art, wall art, um, all sorts of cool little just cards that you can hang up. Um, and, yeah, just about anything. Just just check out dailybikers.com, and uh, you can go to the store and buy all the stuff on there. If you buy a bunch of stuff, he'll bundle it for the shipping together. You know, he's like really, he's a really cool, legit dude. Um, and he's done a lot of really cool stuff. And he's actually in one of our episodes called The Man from the Future. So go check that out and listen to a crazy guy who's been riding since age four that's ridden about every cool bike you've ever dreamed of. Um, also, Mark Dugali, he was in episode, um, I think it was 18 episode 18 i think was mark and he's got a bike that the barber vintage motorsports museum bought and he has done all sorts of crazy cool bike builds go to dogallery.com or go to our post uh, you know that go to our episode for art on two wheels and you will see some of his stuff there he's done like crazy stuff with the super duke He's done crazy stuff with an Aprilia. He's done crazy stuff with the CBR. Lots of cool scooters. Like This dude is also legit creative, like crazy creative. So, yeah, thank you for all the people that have been on the show. Um, and that includes the ones like the Litas from the Fox Valley. All of our WYR top 10 people. Um, Josette from uh, My, uh, Goodbye Migraine, Johnny J from Johnny J Swing. I mean, we've had so many cool people on the show that makes the show what it is. If you are one of those people or you know anybody like that that has a cool story that they want to share, get in touch with us at creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word, podcast at gmail.com. Or if you have a crazy bike story, once a year we do this crazy thing called Solstice Slam. It's not even on the solstice, but it's like on an equinox. But yeah, that's the irony of it. That's to have a little humor. You know what I'm saying? Um, anyway, you can email your little story, a, record your own self. It's a, a sound clip, a story, crash story, art, music, whatever you want to submit. That's uh, you know your little piece of the motorcycle pie that we can play on our once a year like poetry slam jam called Solstice Slam, uh, email that to slam at creativewriting.com and we'll put it up and it'll go out on our yearly show. So there you go. Bunches of ways you can get in touch with us and be part of this awesome community of motorcycling that we love. Ooh-hoo, we love it. Yeah. I'm going to play some crappy music by myself now. Segue. segway. Perfect sound. Totally in space, bro. Hey, so first things first. 17 minutes in, and uh, I've only blabbed a little bit about everything else besides the show. Let's get into this week straight up and away with uh, episodes five's edition of Correction Corner. I wanted to make a corrections about some stuff I said last week, and as you know, I often usually say the wrong stuff. So here I'd like to make good on it. Last episode, I... I talked about the Harley debacle that's going on right now, and I said briefly, like uh, out of the whole thing, the one sentence that came out wrong was that I said, "And Harley shutting down its York, PA plan, or Harley shutting down in York, something like that." Uh, that is not true. In November of 2015, uh, the York, Pennsylvania plant employees were notified that Harley Davidson would move its soft tail bike production to the Kansas city plant. Uh, the York PA jobs are moving to Kansas city and York PA will still produce touring bikes and trikes. Their workforce will be reduced by, you know, XXX number and uh, coincidentally at the Kansas City plant XXX number the same number will be uh, starting so basically they're just transferring uh, soft tail bikes and stuff like that production over to Kansas City Uh, the York plant is not shutting down but they are in fact cutting jobs so um, it's kind of like what's been happened what happened in Detroit during the auto um, and the steel work and all that stuff, they, they pay, they gave a lot of people money and they said, go learn a new skill. And the people were like, are you kidding? I'm going to buy a house. And then, uh, they used that money to, uh, for personal stuff and then did not end up actually, um, having any money left when, the, when the, uh, auto, you know, companies totally changed and all the industry changed up there and manufacturing changed or went away, that people didn't reskill themselves with that money. That's what it was for, was to learn a new skill to make them still relevant. And instead they thought my job will never go away. And so here we have the case of 2015. Harley was already saying, you know, we're going to be laying stuff off. Go listen to last episode. We break down the numbers. Um, Also, what else did I say? The Audi is not selling Ducati. I said that they may have not. Okay, the Audi is possibly not selling Ducati. I I said that because of Hans Mueller or Mueller Huler, whoever the hell is the uh, Audi CEO. Now that article was from April. Come May, the other article said, do, uh, Audi might sell Ducati. Come June, it said Audi is, prob- is uh, probably is probably going to divest itself of Audi and maybe accepting bids. And then, of course, now we know in July that they may might not sell it, but we know that they did uh, put it open for bids. And uh, I talked all about that. On the last one, uh, on the last episode as well. So go ahead and listen to there. Um, Why did I write this down for? Fid- this is something that came to me because oh, because of new um, like labor laws and stuff regarding your retirement, regarding workers in factories and people like the uh, Harley Davidson workers and anybody that's into investment. One thing I love besides motorcycles is um, fitness, finance, <laughs> and inve- investing and stuff like that. And I learned uh, recently that the uh, I guess it was this year maybe or last year actually under thanks, Obama, that the um, 401k advisors and anybody that, like, manages your 401k or... or financial planners that advise you on a 401k, they have become fiduciaries, meaning that they, uh, the management firms are now responsible under a new Department of Labor ruling, and the 401 regulations mean that the fees and the kickbacks will come down. So where people were getting fees and kickbacks to you know, basically manage your thing and they were getting all sorts of money for it. Well, now they're fiduciaries, which means, uh, look up the term fiduciary. It just means they basically have to like, keep what's in your best interest. Um, when they're managing your money and stuff like that so that they can't put it in this fund or this fund to get kickbacks, you know, and, and they can't charge you fee like management fees, blah, blah, blah. They, they get their They get enough from that crap. So the little guy wins on this one. And, uh, and that kind of reminded me of, hey, the, 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 that's one positive for some of these people that are having a financial hardship with all the motorcycle dealerships having a rough time. Uh, so that's Correction Corner. Anything else I missed on that episode, tough titty, because uh, there's only a couple things that I caught myself. Um, if you caught something, go ahead and email it to um, bankofamerica.com. <laughs> Just kidding. You can email it to creativewriting.com podcast at gmail.com, all one word. And that's R, creative writing, not writing with a W. Um, All right. Well, hey, Corrections Corner over, 23 minutes into the show. Let's do something fun. Let's get into uh, this little segment that I call Dirty Bike Talk. Hey, it's midnight in the Creative Writing Lounge, where everybody's breath smells like nitrous oxide, and everybody's butt smells like distressed hipster leather brown seats. Why don't you make yourselves comfortable while I pour us some race fuel? (laughs) All right, welcome to the greasy, sleazy, take it easy, dirty, bike talk where we're going to teach you some pickup lines that are dirtier than a lap around loretta lens during monsoon season all right here here's a couple ways to do this we're going to do some good some good ones some showstoppers here and uh, these work whether you're a guy or a girl i guess and uh some bad ones you should never use especially if you're a guy or a girl and if you're a martian well then i don't know what you might say but here let's get into this here number one dirty bike talk guaranteed to get you a squeeze on the cheek or a slap in the face
1: hey girl if you were a flat track i would stick my tire in your groove
0: oh that is a good one all right i'm liking it i'm liking it all right now let's do a bad one um i want to ride you to the gas station and put my gas hose in your fuel tank and and fill you up with some gas if that's okay with you oh man terrible so terrible that's not dirty bike talk That's terrible gas station murderer talk. All right. Let's get it back to a good one. All right. Let's try a good one here.
1: You remind me of a knobby tire, round and bumpy in all the right places.
0: (laughs) Woo, girl. You're like olive oil and avocados. You got that good fat. Mm-hmm. Rounded and bumpy in all the right places. I like that one. Now let's get to a not good one. Um, hi there. If, you know, if you were a tire, I'd put my rim in you. Gross, dude. That sounds like you're going to put a butt in someone. Your butt, dirty butthole inside somebody. That's disgusting. Let's try this again the right way.
1: Girl, you're like a CRF 250R, easy to lean over and get dirty. <laughs> whoa, whoa,
0: hey, calm down, man. You're, whoa, you're a little amped up there. You're like ready for the. Uh, you, you you got a little premix going on. If you know what I'm saying? All right, now let's get on to a bad one. You you don't want to do this one. You don't want this one. Uh. Hi there, good-looking. Uh, let's go to the drag strip so I can run my fastest pass. All right, dude, one thing you do not want to do with a lady is make your fastest pass. Speaking from experience, I know how it is to get the whole shot and end up throwing a crank seal, if you know what I mean, hey? Yeah, so you do want to make your fastest pass anywhere unless you're at a drag strip let's let's hear a good drag strip analogy we need some some positive reinforcement
1: hey there yeah you you're so fine i'd like to bring my drag back to your strip and light up the tree oh do i smoke after sex i don't know i've never checked before smoky burnouts baby
0: Whoa. I need to do one of these in a female I mean not me. The guy that's doing them needs to do one of these in a female voice cuz these are some pretty good ones. I'm sure there's a joke about a strip and some other stuff in there that uh, could translate over pretty well for girls. Uh let's let's go uh, for bad one now. Bad guy, you do one. Wow. If you were a bike, I could set my fastest lap time ever.
1: You getting tired? You've been doing burpees in my mind all day.
0: All right, that was Dirty Bike Talk. Probably never, ever do this. (laughs) segment again Uh, guaranteed to get you a bang probably bang of the gavel as they throw you in jail for assault because those were not very good even the good ones were not very good speaking of bangs and big bangs uh, I wanted to get into some big bang you ever heard of a big banger and I'm not talking about the stupid skit I just did Uh, I'm talking about the type of motors that uh, we have in motorcycles big bangs it's not just a theory of how uh, our universe is possibly created, and it's not just a syndicated sitcom on television, it is also a type of motor that produces incredible, incredible results. And it got me thinking about, uh, everyone's been talking and crying about Indian winning Harley Davidson recently. And uh, another listener actually submitted some stuff. Um, I believe it was for last Solstice Slam. Um, after Solstice Slam even maybe. And he was talking about his bike company. If he were to have like bajillion dollars to spend on on making a bike, which we know that that's probably what they cost, point. Six billion at least. What's Ducati worth again? Uh, Anyway, what it you know why certain type of motors seem to be prevalent and why other certain types maybe aren't. And I kind of wanted to break it down and distill it a little bit better. I am no disclaimer. Right off the top of my off the top of my head and out of the front of my mouth, you know as well as I do that I'm no genius on anything. I've got a 47 IQ, very proud of that, and a combined SAT score of. 800 all seven times i took it and so i'm not going to profess to be like a mechanical engineer or like an engine builder or any of that stuff or even know halfway what it's about although i've dabbled here and there right throughout the years um with cars and motorbikes and stuff so i know enough to be dangerous but i don't know enough to be conclusive and make you trust me but anyway let's let's go Go down this road anyway, shall we? So uh, the Big Bang and traction and stuff like that, I wanted to talk about why we don't see like inline fours in flat track racing and w- even in like some road racing and stuff, how engine characteristics um, because of this thing called the Big Bang um, is actually a little bit better or, you know, a little bit different. And I'm not like into all the MotoGP, like, you know, crazy Engine configurations and counter-rotating mass and blah, blah, blah. But it all does play a part in it. And I'm probably going to have to pause and look back at my notes for some of this stuff. But um, right off the bat, I wanted to talk about uh, some of the differences that Harley-Davidson and Indian have and why everyone's crying over Indian coming out and winning this year, you know, back to back to back to back, almost every single time in the uh, flat track series, the... Uh, American flat track series, that is. And uh, obviously not the hooligan flat tracks or local flat tracks or anything like that. So it's a very limited number of Indians that are winning, but people are still in an uproar about it, and they're wondering when is somebody going to come in and knock this Indian wrecking crew off of their damn uh, high horse here, off the block. And so we're going to talk about those differences in the very last thing. Right off the bat, I want to talk about uh, traction, Firing, crank degrees, all that great stuff. And uh, why we use twins for flat tracking. And it kind of goes back to uh, the early days of racing. Most motorcycles, board trackers, and all that stuff were V twins. Um, And there were some singles, I'm guessing, you know, and we still today, twins and singles is about all we have. We have also. Uh, all sorts if you go back and look through the last few years of flat track racing in particular you'll see that we've had uh par- you know parallels twins in uh, BMWs, Triumphs, um Kawasaki Ninja one last year, um, Yamaha's, you know all that sort of stuff. We have b twins of course with mostly Harley-Davidsons. I really can't think of anyone Uh, The Ducatis have an L-twin, and yes, there are some Ducatis, even a 1200 Multistrada that's racing. And you'll see in a minute why that is fair, even if they're racing against like 650s and 750s and stuff like that. So, right off the bat, do you know how an engine works? If you don't know how an engine works, let me tell you really, really briefly. You put gasoline in the tank, that in effect grows this magical sort of food and these little elves run around in your engine. And that's how an engine works. Um, actually, there are a few things that we'll get into in a minute, but you need to know that there is four uh, on four strokes. We're going to talk about specifically, there are four strokes of the uh, the piston or the crank and, you know, and all that great stuff. Um, when the piston's at the top, they, we call that top dead center. When it's at the bottom, that's called bottom dead center. And keep in mind for later we'll talk about in a second, that these are the periods when your pistons not moving kind of at rest because it's changing directions. And, you know, when you take into account rotational mass and like, uh, you know, momentum and inertia and blah, 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 all that stuff, you know, that comes into play later. And, but let's just get down to the strokes, shall we? There's, uh, Intake. There's a what? Suck, squish, bang, blow. Right. So on the first stroke, the piston goes down, and what happens is the intake valve opens then, and it sucks some air in as that vacuum as the piston's moving down the cylinder. It's just like pulling a like a uh, a needle, like a plunger on a needle or something like that, or like a. um, what are those things called a syringe? So you're sucking stuff in, you're sucking air in, air and fuel. And then the valve closes as the piston comes up and that's the compression stroke. Boom. It ignites at the top. The uh, well, you know, let's we'll say at the top it ignites the uh, the spark plug blows up that compressed air and fuel. And that is the uh, the power stroke which is now going down. And as it goes down, uh, it forces the the crank around, and then as it comes up again, the exhaust valve opens, and now it pushes all that burnt fuel, the spent burnt fuel and, and gas out of the exhaust uh, valves or valve, and then that closes and it goes down again, and that's the intake, and you start it over. So suck, sucks it in, squish, smashes the uh, the uh, fuel and the air up there. Bang, because that's the uh, spark plug uh, goes off right when all that stuff is compressed at the top, and it makes the uh, the downward power stroke, and then blow because as it comes back up from the power stroke, it's pushing all the stuff out. So that's the three uh, four strokes that we need to know of a four stroke motorcycle. Um, what happens is with, when you get your, you know, inline four, there's a whole reason why you don't see inline fours and stuff out flat tracking and why inline fours, even the way that they fire creates, um, maybe less optimal power and traction than you might think by having them fire. If you've got four in a row, um, and you fire them at, uh, you know regular intervals, you know you get an even firing order. The if you were to look at a tire and make a mark every time that the the combustion happens and you mark it, you're going to have an even spacing around that tire as the tire is rolling. It's getting constant pressure, right? And that's great. And I was reading and all of the stuff that I have almost ever read about traction and and motorcycle engines has always come from Kevin Cameron and I subscribed to Cycle World for a long time but Kevin Cameron wrote some crazy articles on Traction that uh way back in the 90s never I obviously didn't read them then cuz I was too busy fighting in the civil war but uh what happened was I went back and I've read them since and they're super super fascinating and I just recently read something that he wrote on Traction uh, again and it kind of got me re-looking at some of this stuff and all excited because I've I've never talked about it on the show. But if you look at um, certain twins and certain singles, there's something that he recently brought up when he was – there's a a video I can probably link to it. It's – From Brad Baker, he's sliding his 450 sideways, and this thing is going sideways around the track. And basically, what's happening is this thing is bouncing so bad. You've seen, if you watch the X Games, you know how bad that track was. Freaking Jeffrey Carver bunny hopped his, you know, 300 pound motorcycle uh, off of a bump there. And if you saw the X Games last year and the year before, man, it was like a rodeo. I think. Meese threw a chain, or Baker threw Mees Meese a chain, yeah, because it was that... I mean, that's how bad they're jiggling around, um, and Brian Smith, I think, won it last year, and it was looking like a... Uh, uh, just like a rodeo going through there. Brian Smith or freaking Jared Meese won it last year. I forget. I was watching them both as they're coming through and sliding the bike sideways, just hopping. So uh, Brad Baker on a 450, I don't know exactly what uh, track, but... It, what what the point was that the Kevin Cameron was making is that these bikes are hopping and bouncing and sideways nonetheless, and they're still getting traction to go forward. They're not sliding out. They're not low siding. They're not, you know what I mean? They have adequate Tr- adequate traction to keep going around the corner and actually turning while the wheels are bumping and they're like leaned over. The sidewalls are basically bumping. There's not even enough pressure for the shocks and the forks to compress. Like that's how little available traction they're getting, but somehow they're turning. And so, how does that happen? Well, it all has to do with the firing order. I just mentioned that. Um, you know, basically why you don't see inline fours in and flat track at least is because bikes and flat track are really meant to come off the corners. Um, they're really meant to corner. Well, that's where you get all, that's why you get sideways. That's where you, you know, you do most of your passing unless you draft down the straight, but you usually do it into or out of the corners. Right. Um, I mean, there's some straightaway drafting that happens, but, you got to get a good drive out of the corner to get that even started. So flat track bikes aren't really made for like top straightaway speed. They're actually kind of over revving uh, once they drop into the corners, and they tend to hit their peak uh, revs before they even get to the corners. Because that's they're not like a, a sport bike where you might be on a road road course where you got to like you know shift down and go through some like chicanes and s's and curves and then you're going to hit this long straight where you need to be be able to keep making power way up into the 200s you know what i mean so basically they need to make all of their torque and grunt and get all of their traction down there in the corner so how one way to do that and even honda figured it out with the uh in the nineties with the, I think it was 92 when their big bang motor came out. What they figured is that you can take a four cylinder and turn it into a twin or similar to like a, take a twin and turn it into a single. Why would you do that? Why would you take four beautiful, powerful strokes and turn them into one or two? Um, and the reason is, is because like I said, if you take a tire and you mark every single time that the, uh, um, the Um spark plug fires and you're getting power delivered, you're getting constant power. And what that does is it means that if you're getting so much power that you're breaking the wheel loose, because now we have to think about coefficient, uh, or let's talk about pavement, let's not talk about flat track. Uh, on pavement, you got to think about the coefficient of friction. You have to think about your contact patch. You have to think about... Uh, interestingly enough um kevin cameron wrote an article on bias versus bias ply versus radial tires and when radial tires first came on lots of people were high siding people weren't able to ride the two-stroke um gp bikes anymore because they were insane they were like tossing people off left and right if you know anything about the gp bikes or you go back and and um Listen to people talk about them. They'll always talk about what a handful they were, how people were amazing writers back then, blah, 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 blah. But Kevin Cameron really does this amazing thing of taking it and like distilling it down basically to the fact that it was the motor doing that, not the rider, not this and that. And it's because the riders had very little input when it came to all of a sudden you're breaking traction where with the big bang motors they did. And I'll tell you why uh, right now. So on a bike that's breaking traction, where you're getting all those even firing uh, order, you know, firing uh, intervals, it, the tire starts to break traction and there's nowhere for it to catch up because the next one's right on the way. The next, uh, boom, the next power pulse, boom, the next power pulse. And by the time you lose traction, it's over. And especially with those new tires that didn't, uh, Input as much, I guess the bias ply used to be able to you'd feel it kind of coming out and you'd like let off the throttle. And that's back when they used to say, Oh, before electronics, when the rider had control, blah blah blah, and um, the rider's wrist was the throttle control, you know, was this traction control and all this great stuff. Well, when radial tires came on, uh, according to this article by Kevin Cameron, things went out the window because no longer did the tire feedback that information to the rider. And the way that they kind of uh, counteracted that was. Uh, the fact that they could make these motors now with this thing called the big bang. And I'm finally going to get to it for you. And that's where you take uh, of the four cylinders. You can take two and fire them together. And you basically turn it into like a, a four-cylinder twin, and what that does, especially depending on how you time it in the rotation, and the fact that certain twins are used for racing more than others, and it seems to be, oh, why? I always see these cranks, and they always say that they're this, uh, either parallel twins with the two seventy-degree crank, like two seventy is really uh, common, or you know, a three sixty is really common, one eighty is really common. Why are these common? And part of it is because of the the traction that they provide in different uh, scenarios. And so you might see off-road bikes all have uh, twins with like certain crank degrees or certain timing or crank rotations and stuff like that. And then you're like, the road bikes have like the total opposite of that. Well, it's because on the road, they're giving you constant power and you're going to have to, they have traction control nowadays. So maybe they don't, you know, you don't need to worry about sliding out and crashing as much. But off-road, you need certain power characteristics for traction and torque and to get you up a hill or to get you through some slippery dirt and all this stuff. So let's talk about it. Finally, let's get to it. And I'll, I'll uh, kind of clue you in on what the Big Bang does. So the Big Bang, whether you have a twin and you're firing both cylinders at the same time or sometimes they'll fire them quickly after each other, not not right after each other, or like you have a uh 45 degree V-twin, like the XR uh, 750 Harley Davidsons had for a long time. If you look at those, one that's like a, a cutaway or like a diagram, you'll see that the they share like a crank pin, and they're and they're so they're pretty close. It's the angle of the V there that's making them offset from, uh, and, and like the crank offset that's making them um, follow each other in quick succession. I forget how close that firing order is, but it's really fast. Um, so they act kind of like a big twin pushing. I mean a big single almost pushing that around, and sometimes they call that twingling. when you take a twin and you make it pump like a single, and also when you take a, a four and you make it bang uh, like a like a twin. Uh, basically, what you're doing is you are making um, you're making the crankshaft and everything else that's rotating, not have pressure applied to it for X amount, depending on if you have like a 360 timing, 720, 540, whatever the timing is on it, um, rotations of the crank before it hits another power stroke, what you're letting those tires do is you're letting the tires uh, roll and use that momentum and inertia and all that stuff, um, the crank momentum, the inertia, all the the rotating forces of the motor without having another power stroke trying to break those tires loose. And so it actually provides way better traction to have certain, um, you know, certain bikes like that, like the NSR 500, I think, which is Honda's GP bike back, uh, in 92, they were like blowing people away. Uh, and, I guess from what I read in these articles, people brought like really crazy intricate sound equipment to listen to Honda's motor to try and see what the hell they were doing, and then everybody started catching on, and they staggered the um, their their timing and their crankshafts and stuff to make them more like these giant twins, you know, two-stroke twins or whatever. It doesn't uh, it doesn't matter as long as the you know what the engine configuration is as long as you're firing it like that, and what it does is it has, there's a couple of things going on. And one is that, like I said, it creates this crazy amount of um, free space where nothing's happening. And you think, well, that's weird. But if you think about it, the tire has complete control and there's still rotational things uh, things happening, rotational mass happening inside the motor. And uh, like I said, inertia, momentum, rotational forces, all this great stuff, heavy. And that's why uh, weighted flywheels make a difference. You might think, oh, a light flywheel, spin up real fast and, and this and that. But heavy ones actually... I don't know if this is a hundred percent true, but, um, they use different weighted ones for different, uh, you know, they would swap them out or some people make ones that bolt on the end of a crank, uh, different like weights there so that you can adjust the amount of, of, uh, spin and stuff that occurs like momentum and inertia and get the best out of it for to kind of tune it for different um, situations you're know, thinking this heavy crank but dude it's spinning around giving your tire uh, it's powering your tire because the piston isn't basically it's just free, free rolling and free rotating so basically they would have a lot of power coming out of corners and stuff and it would allow guys to hook up and it would allow guys to get good pulls out of corners um, and it would allow people not to break the rear tire loose on uh, street bikes because you don't have this constant, like there's no time for the tire to recover, let's say, and the tire, just like, you know, you can talk all you want about engine building. And there's a reason that tire manufacturers and tires and everything else gets just as much of attention in racing. And it's like a really not a sexy part to be the tire tech, but it's like probably the most important thing. Cause it's what's holding the bike to the ground and is affected by every other force on the bike, whether it's braking leaning, uh, engine input and sometimes all that stuff at the same time rising uh, you know waiting and unweighting of the bike by hitting a rise or a dip in the road or on the course or whatever it is so you think of all that stuff and the tire is ultimately where this goes to and the tire is what needs to stay in contact with the ground as much as possible and if you have all these um, regular intervals whether uh, you know the big bang was cool because if you if you look at like one bang for every 720 degrees of crank rotation, you'll see that there's not quite as many around your tire as if you had marked one where every uh, inline four-cylinder, if they're all like a like a flat plane or cross plane and stuff like that, and you mark it wherever one hit, you'll see a, a regular firing pattern with the timing and everything is, you know, is basically at regular intervals, there's never a time for the tire to ro- uh, catch a break. And that's great if you've got that power managed and it's getting input all the way and there's constant traction there. But once you slip, you know, change the temperature of the asphalt put some water down, put some dirt on it. You know, if you're on, if you're racing on dirt, maybe like supermoto and stuff like that, you're in for trouble because you're going to be breaking loose left and right. And the tire is never going to be able to recover. You're going to be scrubbing speed everywhere and have a loss of handling. And, you know, maybe that's why in MotoGP, some of the heavier bikes that were more powerful, you know, or super, super tuned like the Ducatis and stuff, the tires would go because they used it all up trying to keep that power, um, you know, in the tire on the road under control. And then once it's gone, it's gone. And then now you have all that power just breaking that thing loose all the time. And you need a way to shut it off and make it like a Big Bang. And so Big Bangs, like I said, uh, the Yamaha um, the cross plane that came out in the R one wasn't really a big bang, but I saw this really cool, uh, computer like, uh, uh, well, it was an illustration of a whole bunch of things going on. First of all, it was the, uh, You know the the rotational uh, mass and vibration from the engine and the crank and everything that rotates. It was showing that as an oscillation, and then it was showing the firing order as just a uh, you know just like a regular like flat plane crank, and how that kind of made this weird vibration because the uh, the vibration of. The rotations of the crank and all all the spinning parts with the the, uh, input of the engine and where the power was being delivered and the new forces that that introduced kind of created this like overlapping wave, which wasn't ideal for the riders. I think it created like vibration or it created an uneasy uh, feeling, um, some sort of input that didn't feel right. So they changed it to the cross plane, which goes bang, bang, ba-bang. Bang, bang, ba-bang. So it's almost firing like a triple, and you're getting two initial uh, shots of input. And then that last one, the two are firing dang near together, bam. And then it's got a nice rotation on it before the next single power stroke kicks in. And of course, since it's not that much power as the two together or nearly together, you're kind of getting like, imagine a kid, um, imagine you have a bicycle tire or your bikes flipped upside down on its back with it on its seat and handlebars. And you're hitting the front wheel, and you can go bam, 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 you know, and make it spin. Or you can go bam, bam, and then use both hands. Wham, bam, bam, wham. So you're keeping it spinning with your single hit. And then when you use both hands and hit it together, like bam, you give it this like crazy pump until you're, can get back so that's basically what it's doing it's not too much input for the tires to break loose but it's just enough to, to have the best of both worlds like a big bang getting a bunch of input into the the uh, motor and getting that you know, momentum and inertia built up and the rotational forces and then having two little sustaining ones to help keep that until the next big bang comes around. And that's what Yamaha or Honda had figured it out. Uh, A lot of people started doing big bang motors. Um, they kind of went away from what I've heard because you do also have unwanted vibration when you, especially if you take a twin and you fire them both at the same time. I mean, that's a hell of a lot of, input onto the crank and everything else at one time. So the vibrations that you might get from a thumper, imagine that doubled in a four cylinder that's firing uh, two at the same time. So like the two outers and then the two inners um, or a twin that's firing both at the same time. I mean, you're compounding all the vibrations and the rotations and they need to counterweight it and all this other stuff to overcome some of the crap that was happening. But at the same time you are getting one glorious, like, Input of power and basically getting the letting the tire spin freely off of the momentum and the inertia after that, which means that it has traction that whole entire time. Moving from the motor to the tire and the weird traction that Kevin Cameron noted way back in his 1992 article, and recently watching Brad Baker last year on the 450 cruising around a track sideways. He noted that that's partially due to the way the motor, you know, the traction that the tire is experiencing is partially due to the motor. You bam, and you're going around the corner, and now the bike's just bouncing and the tire is touching as much as it can without any input. So therefore, it has the ability to grip even though it's on the ground like half the time and in the air, half, like it's literally bouncing that fast and that much, that it's on the ground as as much as it is in the air, but it still maintains enough traction to go around the corner because of that big bang action. So that made me want to talk about twins and singles. That's why they're so, uh, you know, in racing, flat track at least, that's why they are so... um, you know, widely used, and it's partially because of the torque that they give off of the turns and the power and the traction, and that's all important in dirt tracking. You really need that, and you don't need a whole bunch of horsepower. You're on dirt. Um, you know, you can only go as fast as the tire and the dirt. That's one thing about road racing and one thing about dirt track is road racing, if you get a long enough straight and you can build a fast enough motor, you can keep Uh, you know, you can just make a tire that can handle the heat and the speed and you'll be able to keep pushing those speed limits up. But on dirt, you might get lap times down. You might find a little bit quicker ram around the course, but you'll never be able to get more traction out of dirt if it's like the perfect dirt. And you'll never, I mean, unless we're talking like you make a five mile long racetrack, right? I mean, that's the only way the dirt track speeds are going to be going up and they're going to be needing more powerful bikes. So at the time being, they basically needed the same power as they have for like the last 40 years. And I wanted to talk quickly about um, the Harley versus the Indian that everybody's crying about. And Harley dominated for like forty. some odd years with the the XR 750. Prior to that, the AMA had like side valve and and uh, you know there's a bunch. You could have bigger bigger displacement if they had side valves. And I think that's why the uh, Ducati Multistratas could run in flat track is because I think they were restricted, but they also had like. Uh, you know just certain they realize that they're heavier like if you balance them all out like on a power to weight ratio and then like put some restrictions on restrictor plates or whatever on some they'll basically even out you know what I mean and uh, for a long time Harleys uh, didn't have restrictor plates some of the other ones did now they're kind of evening out the field by regulation, and that and that that's why we saw Ninja 650 won last year. The Kawasakis are actually doing really good in flat track, but you just don't see it because Indians have been winning all year. Um now let's get to that. I wanted to say that, you know, back when the KRs basically became obsolete and side valve stuff. I don't remember if they outlawed it or if they just said you cannot have um you know, side valve stuff anymore. It's, you know, the motors are just going to keep getting bigger and that's not fair for the class. All right, that's right. I have my notes right here. I whipped my notes out. Um, <clears throat> so the the AMA Grand National Championship Class C rules were introduced in uh, the 30s and they didn't get revised until like the mid-50s, but they were limited uh, flathead or side valve engines to 750s And other modern stuff like the overhead valves that were coming on were limited to 500s. And, you know, that was great in the fifties, but then you get into the sixties and of course like Japanese and British bikes, um, start using way more overhead valve stuff. And they, you know, they're like, we're not You had to have 200 motor. That's always been a thing for racing. 200 has been the homologation number for a very long time. And it was also for the AMA, you had to have 200 of these bikes made, uh, for homologation in order to be able to race them in the class and, you know it's the 60s like we were just about to get into the 1000s and the 750s like going cr- everyone going crazy on these things so the other people were like listen man like the the british manufacturers and the japanese manufacturers they're like we don't want to keep making these like little 500 cc bikes for to stay racing you know we're we're kind of we're branching out and the customers want this and for us it makes more sense to like make all this stuff, especially like probably after the war and everything, like, you know, you don't want to waste a bunch of time making a bunch of junk with materials that you might not have or resources and people, the market obviously drives what is going to sell. And then usually you try to race what you have on the showroom. Right. And so all this pressure led the AMA to say, all right, well, no more, the divisions were just going to make the, the class 750. And of course, then you see like, you know, crazy stuff showing up from triumph and, uh, other stuff from Honda and stuff like that. So, uh, that basically was the, uh, the British marks, We're gaining not only influence, but kind of, you know, rationalizing, hey, we don't want to keep making 500s. People are are looking for bigger bikes now. And then, of course, the 60s was like when all the 750s went crazy. And so um, even, I guess, Mert Law will try to get the AMA to stick with the ruling, but they're like, listen, to be fair, let's do it. So the XR had to be designed. And I think in 70 and 71, they were – terrible those two first years I think they. that's the year they called them like the waffle iron or something like that because they just like overheated and they were iron heads and the motor was made of aluminum uh, they revised it I think in like I said 72 or something like that and from 72 until last year that XR 750 won more Grand National Championship titles than probably, I mean, I think there was a spate, uh, just like road racing in the 80s, there was a couple Honda and Yamaha years. But as far as flat track, Harley has been the dominant force for over 40 years, like 42 or 45, something like that. So basically, Indian comes out and, and they said, the Indians coming big last year. If you if you paid attention to this stuff, see, Flat Track didn't catch on. A lot of people, a lot of other podcasts started covering Flat Track this year, so it wasn't really a big deal to them. But last year was a big deal for me because I knew Indian was coming on. I'd seen Indian race at a couple of the Ivy League events, and they just sounded so insane, and I knew that there was something special about them and the way they sound. And something they must be doing with these things because they looked ripping. Even the scout, you know, the scout ones, the scout hooligan bikes, those are pretty rad looking. And <clears throat> excuse me. And not only that, they sound awesome. And I think you heard last year when I played, uh, I took some audio from one of the races I went to, and you could hear the Harley roar versus the scout like high pitch rip. You know what I mean? So I knew something definitely was was coming in with Indian, and they said Indians coming big. You know, somebody. I forget who was in the racing world said that, uh, but they kind of warned Harley Davidson. You know they're coming. They're coming hard. They're coming big. They designed a motor from scratch, and so I looked at a, I looked at some of the stats uh, for Harley's XG, and I also said a few episodes ago. Um, who, why I thought Harley wasn't maybe doing so good. And I mentioned Davis Fisher. I totally forgot Brandon Robinson. I said, I said Davis Fisher as a Harley factory rider because he is the one that tested the XG. I guess they brought him in just as a test rider, um, last season. And he did, I thought he did pretty good on it. Um, I mean, it was cool to see him out there doing that. And then Joe cop brings the Indian, um, you know, to, uh, the God, what was that? The Santa Rosa, right? And, um, or, or Sacramento, I forget which one, um, Joe cop brought the Indian to, but he, you know, came out firing. I think he was in the lead for a little bit. And I, f- if I remember correctly, he finished third. But the thing is, is that, you know, these guys bringing these new bikes out and testing them and they look pretty strong. They have some crazy differences and let's get into those differences right now. And this is probably why the Indians, all of them, all three of them, the Indian racing, Indian motorcycle racing backed by Allstate, which is Brad Baker and Brian Smith, and the Rogers Racing Indian of Jared Meese. Uh the wrecking crew, this is probably why they are winning these races. Because uh let's start with Harley first and uh work our way up to why Indians taking the lead this year. So Harley Davidson, the XG seven fifty. Um, they they said, you know. When Vance and Hines first saw this bike, I watched these videos on on them talking about it. When they first saw it, they said, dude, we can't make a racer out of this. And eventually, they started working on it, and they got excited. Um, It's a 60-degree V-twin liquid-cooled. And they said this is the first time a bike like this has made the main in 42 years because uh, Davis Fisher made the main event on it. I'm going to say it was Sacramento. I, I'm not 100% sure, but it was last year when it made the main on its uh, debut. And they're like, dude, this uh, about one of the Harleys... You know, a new Harley hasn't made the main in 42 years. This XR has just been kicking such ass. So it was really impressive for it to come out. But uh, some notable differences, obviously, the liquid cooling. And there was a a, a crash, a few, um, I I forget if it was Arizona, but um, Kenny Coolbeth's water line came off, sprayed water on the track, and I think it took out Brandon Robinson and Kyle Johnson so he basically took out not only his bike, but he took out his crew right behind him. Um, they weren't coming in first or anything like that anyway. But it's not- notable that just their luck just can't quit going sideways for them. Even though on flat track, you can go sideways. See what I did there? Uh, so anyway, yeah. So it's got a 60-degree V-twin liquid-cooled. It's a boring stroke. It's 85 millimeter by 66 millimeter. Obviously, four valves per cylinder. That's the, that's the big changes for it this year. Is that it's sixty degrees where the old XRs were forty-five degrees. Liquid cooled. Obviously, that's a totally new realm for Harley flat track bikes. The V Rods have been destroying tracks left and right ever since they came out. So, nothing new for V Rods. Um, but also the four valves, they can totally overreb this thing. The original Harley Davidsons, the guy, they they left the showroom at like 7,200 red line and they were like going into like the 8,000s and 9,000s on the track. And so, these new bikes, Apparently, supposedly you got to rev them up to around 10,000 when you're, le- when you're coming into that, you know, off the straightaway into the corners, you're rev, you're over them. Uh, I think some of them, I think the Indian went up to 11,000 on the dyno or something like that. So they are revving the crap out of these things. Uh, the Harley is a single overhead cam. Uh, so single cam driven by like forked rockers, I think is how they drive the valves. Um, and in the past, they were pushrod, you know. So a lot of the the Harley has had the biggest change. Um, the intake valves are titanium. The the exhaust are stainless steel. It's got iron lined cylinders, um, CP pistons with Carrillo rods, stock crank. Um, Vance and Heinz, when they saw it and said they couldn't make a bike out of it, part part of that is, or a racer, and part of that is because they didn't think they'd be able to get it over to slide it on the ground. The uh, crankcases were so fat, so they machined their own crankcase, uh, covers so that this thing would be slim and, uh basically improve the lean angle on this thing. Cause when you're on a dirt tr- track, you're leaning this thing over quite a bit more than you would on the street. Um, so they had to do that. The air box is under the tank. Um, I noticed that, Oh, the, the throttle body, I was reading the, the rules a f- couple of few months ago. Cause I wanted to get into this. I have been kind of thinking about this, doing a comparo for a little while and I started reading the rules and I noticed that there was a couple things in there. I'm not going to go to every single rule, but there was a couple things. And one of them was Harley had this throttle body that wasn't stock. And so the stock throttle body, I meant to look at it and get a real good picture of it. Uh, but I right off the top of my head, it's a single, single throat. Uh, you know, obviously there's two cylinders. So one goes to, uh, there's like a manifold going to the back one and a manifold going to the front, uh, front cylinder and single throat there in the middle. And it just wasn't enough air and fuel to make this thing competitive. So Vance and Heinz made a CNC, uh two throat throttle body with the fuel injectors below the butterflies, which is how it is. I think in the stock bike, I think it's just got that one single throat. So it's just one fuel injector or something like that. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. Don't quote. Me. I think there's two actually. There's two fuel injectors on the manifolds, I think is how it goes. Um, but I can't remember 100%. Right off right off the top of my head. But it just the this new CNC 2-throat with two fuel injectors uh, really made Huge difference, and if you're thinking Ram Air is great, and you're one of those people that takes off your airbox and puts pod filters on your awesome cafe racer to make it go faster, that doesn't really make anything go faster. What it does is it messes up your jetting. And if you're going to get like a bigger exhaust, then that's cool. Like you change your intakes and your exhaust so that they're all totally sweet, and then you have the same stock jetting or uh throttle body mapping you need to change that crap because um the you know as you see in racing and a lot of stuff the air box is like you need to keep that um you know it's pretty stupid the ambient air pressure and all that stuff the the uh throttle bodies have map sensors on them too most of the time to gauge air pressure and you don't want a whole bunch of ram air it kind of Throws off a bunch of stuff, and if it's not ramming all the time, you're, you know, your bike is set up for that. So, if it's not set up for that, and you do that, you're kind of stupid. So, their airbox even isn't like a ram air, it sits under the gas tank with a small opening there at the front, and the spark plug is on the side. So, let's get into the Indians. Indian, they have a 53 degree V twin, so much closer to the old Harley 45 degree, you know, it's about halfway between. The XG's sixty degree, and the Harley XR is forty five degree. Um, it's also liquid cooled. It is eighty eight by sixty one point five. So basically, you have a fatter piston with a shorter stroke, and what that does is you got a lot of uh, a lot of mass or a lot of volume there, but not a whole lot of. Uh, you know, stroke to ram it down and stop it and bring it back up and, uh, four valves per cylinder. It's a dual overhead cam though, instead of a single overhead cam, the valves are all steel, stainless steel, uh, with steel connecting rods, but they have Nicosil line cylinders, which is, like I said, the Harley XG, it has iron line cylinders. It's basically, uh, What we have here is an XR750 versus an XG750, if you want to think of it that way, because like I said, Harley Davidson purpose-built their XR as a purpose-built race-only motor. You know, they never came uh, in a street bike, obviously, and... The XG is a, is a street legal motor that they tried to make into a race racer. So you have this dominant race engine that's been kicking ass for 42 years and you replace it with a street legal motor that just came out and you're just trying or you know, it came out in like what, 2014, 2013, 14, something like that. And, um, you're trying to adapt it to racing, which is pretty cool, I think. And then you have Indian who does what you did 42 years ago and who, who read the benefits for 42 years. They have this Swiss built, uh, Polaris Swiss auto. I think Polaris, Polaris is an American company by the way. And, um, but Swiss auto is like a subsidiary of theirs or something like that. And they went over there and they built this crazy race motor in like seven or eight or nine months. And it is basically what the Harley XR750 was, a uh, purpose-built, race motor. They're not taking a scout motor and trying to adapt it to uh, the flat tracks like, you know, Harley's doing with the streets. Um, but they do have – the AMA said, hey, no crazy, like, exotic metals. Like, we want to keep costs. If you're a Harley team, if you're an Indian team, if you're a Kawasaki team, we want to keep the costs – you know, relative across the board. So none of the, no exotic crap. So they didn't do that. You know, they nothing exotic. Um, but the Nicosil lining in the cylinders is way lighter than iron and Harley has two iron lined cylinders. I think it also dissipates the heat better or something like that. Um, they have a steel crankshaft, which is, uh, you know, s- steel crankshaft, steel connecting rods, uh, stainless steel valves, um, the spark plugs are directly in the center, facing down almost flat to the um, pistons. So I don't know if there, there's a bunch of things working against Harley this year. Why they may not get onto the podium next year either, and it's partially because they dropped their race-only XR750, which has been developed for 42 years, because it can't be developed anymore. And it's a problem. And I have a feeling that they're going to be successful with the XG. There's a lot of hooligan racers that have been uh, getting them and, and fooling around with them. A lot of tuners. Obviously, Vance and Hines is in charge of their factory racing stuff. So I have a feeling they will turn the corner on this and they'll get it down and they'll figure out how to uh, modify it over the next couple of years. And who knows? I mean, they didn't went they didn't get the XR right away. That came after the KR. Uh, started you know having troubles and 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 uh you know there started to be faster 500s you know what i mean so we'll see what happens but indian being on top everybody crying about it the yet to yet to realize that indian did what harley did for 42 years which is make a race only 750 motor um and indian came out swinging and boy they sure hit it out of the park and we'll see what happens next year i mean next year is what it is but, um, but yeah, that was just a few things I wanted to talk about as far as the Indian versus Harley. I didn't really cover the traction and the Big Bangs as much as I probably should have and as much as I wanted to, but I hope I got the, the idea. I mean, I didn't want to go crazy into it, but I did want you to get an idea of kind of how traction plays into flat track and why we don't see, like, you know, screamer engines versus Big Bangers out there. Um, and it's because the twins deliver a much better – um, traction curve, and if you had an inline four out there on the track, you would just you'd not go anywhere. Like ironically, as fast as it would be and as much power, there's a reason why the dudes that race R sixes on hooligan run what your brung days don't go anywhere. And it's not just because they're on street tires; it's because there's so much power going to the dirt, the tire can never hook up. So uh, that is that. Let's move on to the podcast roundup. If you want me to go into depth on like Big Bangs and traction and all that stuff in a future episode, email the show. All right, all right, all right. What's been happening this week on all the world's best shows? Well, let me tell you. Let me just tell you, son of a bitch. So Wingman's Garage, an eight-year-old kid owns the show kicks ass takes names that's all you need to know plus watch their video on our facebook page of them cruising mini bikes around their parking lot at night how much fun did that look like and uh if you've never seen the rusty butcher dudes they do that stuff too they'll go around the back of their store um 805s maybe the beverage of choice and then they'll just rip around on whatever they have it's like a total shit show Uh, The Motorcycles and Misfits This week a very good show It was the Mary F or Kill Which was Mary Fuck or Kill Um, And that was a little fun game They played And you will laugh and cry When you hear the uh, outcomes They read also emails They probably have 73,492 emails And uh, yeah So they probably have a bunch of stuff That they needed to catch up on And they covered those in that episode um, the wheel nerds, they were still talking about the motorcycle podcasters challenge and Chuck was just going on vacation. So they're about a month. They probably canned about three or four episodes a, a month ago and, uh, did them all in one weekend or so because they're still talking about stuff that has happened damn near a month ago, but it was a good interview. They also talked to the, uh, owner of Lamb Seats and that is a pretty bitchin' interview. Um, you can listen to that guy. I could, I could listen to him talk about his passion all day. So that was pretty cool for just talking about seats. Uh, Riders on the Norm. Of course, they come out with two uh, two a week now. Monday's show, they were just hanging out with friends. Uh Friday show, Thursday, Friday show, they were talking about the mini bike race, the world's galaxy's largest mini bike race. I would tell you when it is when it is, but they never sent me the damn thing. They were gonna send me like a little promo for it. So I don't know. I can't tell you, but I think it's in October sometime. October? That's not a real month. Um Loud Pipes, they talked about motovloggers. Very interesting talk, actually pretty good talk, Uh, talking about motovloggers, gear for motovlogging, and uh, all that great stuff. So that was pretty cool. The Adventure Rider Radio Podcast, They their episode was called Finding Your Way, Motorcycle GPS Apps and Paper Maps, I think. I couldn't read the rest of their title, but I uh, didn't get a chance to listen to that one yet, but they've been having some really great, great episodes recently, so I would definitely check that one out. The Throttled Podcast uh, was back, and they were talking about bikes and rides. What else would you talk about on a motorcycle podcast? um motorcycle man was out and they actually talked with some dudes that make some films for like a motorcycle film festival i think the one in new york was going down but uh these dudes were riding from like canada or the arctic circle actually down to they're doing basically like the tip to tip um now i'm probably going to tierra del fuego but they were talking about their epic trip that they're going to have and they're filming it and they're going to release it uh as a movie after they get done filming it in a couple years. So that was a super interesting to hear about all the stuff they plan on going through from the Arctic freezing, like sub-zero temps where gas and oil can actually start to freeze to like, you know, the hottest hots of South America. I'm not just talking soccer. There was a false neutral that came out on Monday, but I didn't listen to it because it was, Said in the description that it's talking about Ducati, MV Agusta, Harley-Davidson, and BSA, all of which I have no, I have no care. I don't want to hear any more about Harley-Davidson and Ducati and Harley and MV, like the three, like literally most unrelated things ever that I could listen to. So I didn't listen to that episode, but I'm going to go back and listen to it this weekend when I have some spare time. And finally, front end chatter last week. Uh, they talked a lot about the fun stuff that they do over there in uh, England, and I think they talked about our twelve hundred GSs a lot. And they plowed through a bunch of emails. So that's a really good episode too. Go check it out. That's gonna about wrap it up for our podcast showdown, ho down, bro down. Hey, hey, enough of that crazy noise. So listen, last week or the week before July 17th, what day was that? We had a little post on our Facebook page stating the following. You've been hired as a creative director for creative writing added partners. Crap for short. And as the director, what would you have preferred for the dude to see the end at the end of this hipster short showcasing the endless pursuit of feelings? Um, And basically what it was, was a link to a film uh, for Ray-Ban called Motorcycle. And uh, the responses were priceless. I would like to read them here. Uh, First on the list was a box of clutches for all that extra shifting of that 12 speed by Mr. Chris Singh Simon. I have to agree. I think it was a CL three hundred and fifty that they were showing, but that thing shifted like 7,000 times. It was like as good as watching fast and the furious when they're like, you know, let's race for 10 seconds and then 345 uh, miles and 12 minutes later. Um, yeah. So basically the guy is riding across this hill and throw like just going apes shit up this hill you know on the street then up on the dirt through the grass then he starts his bike runs out of gas he's pushing it and then he like lets it go drop and he's like tearing off all of his clothes and he runs up to the edge of this hill and he's looking over, looking the sea it looks like it was filmed in like san Simeon or something like that or up in northern california and then all of a sudden he's just staring at the sun his Ray-Bans. And I was like, what was the point of that? And then I figured out, I learned it was for Ray-Ban. And they just wanted to show you some dude, some hipster dude on a motorcycle and finish the scene with his, his uh, Ray-Bans looking at the sun to prove that they really are sunglasses. If he was looking at the moon or like some ducks, that doesn't have the same connotation. So anyway, I said that I would like to see a giant, instead of like when it it shows his face, it shows him see something and then it pans and it's the sun. That's what he sees, the sun. And he's like all depressed, like he missed it or something, even though he's staring right at it. Like he wanted to actually like catch it and touch it and hug it. That's why I said the endless pursuit of feelings. Um, so, and for this ad campaign, I would have said it would have been so rad if it showed his face, and then as it turns and pans, there's just a gigantic dancing butt in the sky. I think that would have been kind of funny. So, Chris Singsheim said the thing he would have liked to see in the sky at the end of the commercial was a box full of clutches for that twelve speed. Jason Gulmeyer says uh, he likes butts. I'm not gonna lie. So that's two votes for a big dancing butt in the sky. Uh, Natalie, the, uh, the admin for the motorcycle podcasters challenge, she chimed in. She doesn't even want us. she didn't want the guy to see anything at the end of the, the, uh, her, 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 uh, story for this ad is a little darker and a little more intense. So I guess we start out seeing the guy riding, you know, he's like in a Serape and a half, you know, uh, an open face, like three quarter sparkle, of course, like hipster helmet. And, uh, He's cruising on this little, like I said, I think it's a CL three fifty or something, little Honda Scrambler from back in the day. Brand he's going around, and he's like going up through the grass, over the mountain. And oh my god! And then she said she'd personally like to see him hit a rut and go ass over tea kettle, knocking him out. And then she says, at least then this ad would have a genuine purpose to make me laugh. And I agree. Now I couldn't agree, I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, laughing. I laughed at the end of this ad cause it was so ridiculous. I would have laughed twice as hard if there was a dancing, butt in the sky, but having him not even make it up there to see the sun, that would have been pretty good too. Uh, Alex says, uh, okay. Now I did mention that this guy like drove up the hill. Then his bike runs out of gas. He starts running with it. And then he starts tearing out of his gear, right? He's like got a Serape, a fricking duster. I think he's got a bull whip on, um, I some waxed cotton jacket he probably has a, like a wreath around his neck a bunch of stuff this dude has on he starts just tearing it off as he's running to see the sunset right so Alex writes I've only ever jumped off the bike and shed gear like that for one reason he should have shat himself while desperately trying to dig a hole and I agree Pan there's no sun there's just agony in this man's young man's eyes he doesn't see the sun at all <laughs> He sees a pair of brown poopy pants floating in the sky. I don't know. Uh, and then Chris, the wingman from Wingman's Garage, says, Personally, uh, okay, let's let's back up this ad again. He's driving on the road. He's driving up the hill. He's on the grass. He's pushing his bike. He tears off all his clothes. He s- jumps off the bike and runs to the edge of the cliff, and he stares at something. The camera pans. And he's uh, just in time for Elmo's world to start. Or a giant burrito, because, well, burritos are awesome. I agree. That's actually pretty funny, Chris. I think uh, we're going to go with Alex and Chris for the last two. I like the fact that um, Alex's idea that he was ter- he's ride- driving to the top of this hill and tearing off all his clothes to take a dump uh, away from civilization. And I think that's a pretty good one. Or the fact that Elmo's World, just because that's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't even know if Elma's world is a thing anymore, but Elma's world or a floating burrito in the sky. Uh, those two things are good enough for me. All right, let's get out of here. It's time to quit talking nonsense.
1: Oh, if you were a burrito, I would eat you so hard.
0: All right, so you're probably going to want a bunch of stuff to do this weekend and next week, right? Let me give you a lowdown on a couple things. I don't know everything that's happening, but I do know a few things. And I know I, I've totally spaced on this one, but Fuel Cleveland, I think, is going on uh, this weekend in uh, Minneapolis. <laughs> Minneapolis, Cleveland. Uh, yeah, if you're in the Cleveland, Ohio area, Fuel uh, apparently it's like some motorcycle related thing it's probably pretty fun i might go check it out but uh that's just me what can i say i'm a kooky guy that loves motorcycle stuff so uh yeah all right well so fuel cleveland is going on this weekend the 29th through the 42nd of july which yeah this is that's this weekend uh july 20 july 2030th. 30th Nope, I was wrong. It's the 29th, July 29th, the East Side Moto Babes, uh, at 1 p.m. Check out the Peterson Automotive Museum. Check that place out anyway. Uh, It's such a rad building. And that's where I went to the Harley versus Indian uh, little showcase they had. They got a bunch of cool motorcycles, a bunch of cool crazy cars, like stuff you'd never seen. Collections, the likes of which you have to go to the Peterson to check out. Um, August 4th, coming up August 4th. Listen, listen up, people. We're talking Sturgis Motorcycle Rally. You know what that is? That's great, because after the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally, what are we going to see? We're going to see some flat tracking at the Buffalo Chip. We're going to see some TT action happening at the Buffalo Chip. You're going to have to tune in to Fan's Choice or do what I did and get the app. Um, The bandwidth is really good. You can see it pretty well. Um, And Also, check out NBCSN. Is that right? They are going to have, they're, they're actually airing uh, flat track now on their go for schedule or just go to American Flat Track on Facebook or like the tweets or Instagram, see what they say about what their times are, and you'll find them there. Uh, the 29th also, uh, what else has happened in the 29th? Oh, yeah, there's a flat track race. I think they're going to be in, um, don't quote me on this, but I think they're going to be going around a dirt oval this weekend and I believe that they're heading to the uh San Jacinto mile all right it's not San Jacinto I think it's Calistoga but I was just saying that to be a jerk but yeah you can check out the American Flat Track app it'll give you all the news and information that you need to know I'm scrolling down right now and it does say July 29th Harley Davidson Calistoga half mile August 6th, the Buffalo Chip TT presented by Indian Motorcycle. August 8th, the Harley-Davidson Black Hills Half Mile at the Black Hills Speedway, Rapid City, South Dakota. August 13th, the Peoria TT. You heard me talking about that about six and a half episodes ago. They changed it uh, for the 750s, and that is going to be an awesome one. So for the next uh, four races, you're really going to want to pay attention because Calistoga a half mile It's going to be leading into a TT for the tw- uh, singles. And the Black Hills, a half mile at Sturgis, which is always an event to behold for the twins. And boom, the TT. So the next three is going to be nuts. Then after that, Springfield 2... So, yeah, we'll get into that when we get into that. So, after Sturgis, uh, August 12th, Southern California Flat Track Association out at Paris, I believe, is having round six of their goes. Uh, if you go out there, beware. Do not uh, – don't be too loud. They will kick you out. Uh, we're having some great, great stuff coming up in September. I cannot wait to talk about that. So, I will talk about that. Um Not this month. We'll wait wait till next week when it's August, and we'll get into what's coming up in September. Uh, The Lita's Fox Valley, I believe they're having something on August, if it's not the 1st. I believe it is. It's going to be August 1st. They're having a little parts gathering, parts talk. And as always, the WIR Top 10 Bikes, you know, we love those guys. They always have their drag racing events on basically the first Fridays of the month. So, God willing, and the Mon don't soon, uh, uh, August 4th, we'll see if Michelle Mankiewicz gets knocked off that top spot as the girl in charge, the HBIC of the senior bike class, WIR top 10 bikes. I think Dylan T. is the HBIC on the stock wheelbase class. Only time will tell. Maybe they won't get rained out this time. It is August in Wisconsin, after all. my voice is giving out no longer able to talk must go but hey do me a fave go and uh, support one of those local hooligans that I talked about give uh, somebody over at rusty butcher your money or go buy some parts for your Triumph or your Harley at uh, Suicide Machine or Speed Merchant you know give Noise Cycles a few thousand bucks and buy one of his custom bikes Um, also go see him he's in a movie that's premiering uh, Friday night down in Venice by the time you hear this it'll be everyone will be home sleeping off a hangover Um, but I think it's called Bike and Builder And uh, I'll talk about that on the next show. And um, yeah, that's it. Have fun. Sorry to anybody I may have offended or may have not offended enough. If you need to catch us, Follow us on the Instagrams, Creative Writing Podcast. Check us out on Tumblr, creative-writing.tumblr.com. On the Twitters, we are creative underscore writer. At Creative Writing Podcast on Facebook, www.creative-writing.com. www.creative-writing.com. And uh, anywhere else you might be able to find someone cool, smoke signals, carrier page in, let them know. Email us creative writing podcast at gmail.com. Maybe we'll see you this Sunday at the SoCal swap meet in Long Beach. Yeah, I, I was kind of laughing because I know that we've, um, talked to, well, let's get up, oh my god. Um, by the wrong stuff, I mean the opposite of, goddamn uh, Which is also one of my favorite motocross tracks that I've never been to. And uh, <laughs> uh girls bring their drag bike hmm. And I even when they're racing again <laughs>
1: for big and beefy baby.